Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to Exchange Trade Fridays, a live podcast from ETF.com, wrapping up the week in financial news and how it affects ETFs. I'm joined, I'm Dan Micah, a reporter with ETF.com, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Jessica Berenger. Hey, everyone. Samit Roy. Hey, y'all. And Heather Bell. Hi, everybody. All right. So uh, the big, so obviously the big news that continues to drive a lot of the markets is the uh, ongoing conflict in Russia, uh, in Ukraine. Uh, but we also got the CPI report. Uh, Samit, you dug into into the CPI report. Give us the, the brief overview and, and uh, your, your takeaway from it. Yeah, so I'm sure everyone saw yesterday's data, CPI at a 40-year high, 7.9% growth on a year-over-year basis. And it's just the inflation picture isn't getting any better. The expectation was that inflation was going to peak sometime earlier this year, and then it's going to trend lower as the year went on. So the 40-year high in the CPI isn't really a surprise. We had a 40-year high for the last couple months. That was expected, but Looking forward, the market now has to suddenly grapple with this intense commodity inflation that's above and beyond what we already had. Now you have economists talking about how the headline CPI could rise more than 10% versus a year ago. That was unthinkable uh, if you go back four or five months. Um, And now you have people talking about how the supply chains are scrambled again because of all the turmoil in Eastern Europe and all the sanctions being placed on Russia. So I know transitory is a word that fell out of favor already, but now it almost seems ridiculous that we ever even use that word. And we're probably going to be dealing with uncomfortably high inflation all year long. That said, there's still a lot of unknowns. We don't know how this war is going to play out. We don't know whether Russian exports of raw materials will be halted. We don't know whether other producers of oil and other commodities can close some of that gap that's been created by the war. So there's still a lot of open questions with regard to when inflation is going to peak. At some point, it will peak, but where and when. And then once things normalize, you know, six months, a year, 18 months from now, where is inflation going to end up? And especially core inflation, which strips out food and energy prices. Uh, But regardless of what happens, the Fed is in an an extremely uncomfortable spot uh, ahead of its policy decision next week. It has to worry about inflation. But it has to worry about the economy as well, because supply side commodity shocks have historically had a significant uh, dampening effect on economic growth. So we're probably going to get that 25 basis point hike next week. But I'm really curious to hear from Powell and the rest of the committee uh, on what they think about everything that's going on. What do you all think? Um, Should investors be doing anything ahead of that big meeting next week? I mean, that's that's really hard to say um, because I, I can't, you know, it, it's such a, a complex situation to figure out where exactly you can store your money. Um, right now, uh, I think oil has 
uh, has declined a little bit after Saudi Arabia earlier this week said that it would uh, be open to increasing OPEC production, uh, which is uh, quite a spicy take from 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 that end because Russia is a is an observing member of OPEC, um, and there was a, a quite a bit of a drop. And there's there's worry about the the short term uh, demand destruction for oil um, from having prices up to, I think, almost $130 for the West Texas uh, uh, benchmark. Then you have uh, just also this morning, uh, the the other big economic news of the day, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey was dropped to the lowest point since 2011. And what's really interesting, if you look into the the footnotes, you can see the breakdown of sentiment between uh, Democrats, independents, and Republicans. and the last time that the uh, that there was a I believe a, a four point eight percent point drop between uh, Feb- uh, between the uh, February and March, uh, this latest survey um, that almost five that almost five point drop came uh, from Democrats only came when uh, the Omicron variant and the Delta variant were declared uh, variants of concern. So this is almost like another. So, so some at least Democrats are looking at this and, and thinking this is as bad economically as another wave of of the of COVID, um, which is a, a very interesting way to phrase uh, to to frame it. Um, but yeah, Heather, what, what do you think? I mean, is there is there any safety in this market right now? I'm wondering if it's in commodities. Actually. Um, I'm I was, you know, reading The Economist, which is kind of my low grade obsession. Um, And the article I was reading today was talking about how Russia is like the number one, two and three producer of natural gas, oil and coal. And then it's also producing uh, uranium, which is the and it's the biggest source for the U.S., which I think is bonkers. And then it's also um, a major source of copper, nickel, palladium, and wheat and fertilizers. So the um, the I, I'm just wondering if that's where people should invest because that's a, a shortage. But also if Russia is the biggest source of all of those um, – I don't know what uh, I just don't know um, how available it would be to invest in. Um, and it just it does seem like um, at well, at the beginning of the year, Goldman Sachs had said that we were entering a commodities super cycle. So um, I'm kind of curious uh, if that will be sustained. Well, I, I think the, the the other problem right now, uh, if you're looking at commodities, is are you buying at the top uh, with with so many com- and we saw it kind of it was almost like the, like the toilet um, it was almost like the toilet paper situation at the beginning of of uh, lockdown where there was just all these weird like toilet paper and all these weird independent things had a supply chain shock that uh, knocked. Uh, that, that caused like shortages everywhere. Uh, Jess, you wrote about metals earlier this week. I wrote about agriculture last week. Uh, what's 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 going on in in there? What, what, what were you looking at? 
Yeah, so just on a, a bigger picture, metals overall um, have really been hot this year. So there's a few that I that I dug into in my article. You know, nickel prices more than doubled overnight earlier this week due to a short squeeze situation. Um, and as Heather pointed out, the price appreciation there is really due to Russia being the third largest exporter of nickel. It's a really commonly used metal. It's in things that we're all familiar with, like <clears throat> lithium-ion batteries. Um, but demand was already expected to grow. So that's happening in combination with these supply issues due to the economic sanctions. So that's really what's driving the price up. It's not just supply side. So if we look at JJN, you know, that's an ETN that tracks nickel futures contracts. We saw it shoot up exponentially earlier this week. Um, at, at one point, it was up over 140% year to date. It's now cooled down a little bit, but it's still up 62% for the year. Um, you know, another thing that Heather mentioned was palladium. Russia is a top exporter of that metal. They produced something like 40% of the world's palladium production last year. And demand for this metal has been growing pretty rapidly, too. A lot of that's being fueled by the auto industry. It's used a lot in electric car manufacturing technology, which is something that, um, you know, I think we've all noticed a greater focus there from automakers. So it's really just feeding into that increased demand again and um, putting upward pressure on the price. So PALL, the Aberdeen ETF that tracks the palladium spot price, that's their best performing ETF of the year. And that one's up 45 percent. <clears throat> Yeah, and and you know be, between um, that fund and, and Tucrium has also had an absolutely wild couple of of, of days. Um, I um, I believe you wrote a little bit ago about how uh, WEAT the the uh, specific wheat futures ETF they literally ran out of shares. They had to stop trading on uh, boy what was it Monday Tuesday um, because they had to send in a new prospectus to the SEC allowing them to make more shares. Um, I think if you, you know, went even just two or three years uh, back in time and just told told any of us that um, a, a an agriculture commodities fund that charges almost two percent uh, an expense ratio became so popular that it had to stop trading and, and reset itself, I I think all of us would just laugh at, at this uh, time traveler that appeared in front of us. Um, Go ahead, Sabine. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy. I mean, commodities were left for dead. If you just go back one year, two years, JJN that uh, Jess just talked about, this this uh, product only had something like $5 million in assets under management for the longest time. Um, but now you look at it as $120 million in uh, net asset value. So this is pretty crazy moves we're seeing um, in commodities. And I think, Dan, you phrased it really well. Would you be buying at the top if you buy commodities today because everything from metals to ags to energy has just gone through the roof. So this isn't necessarily going to be just a one-way trade. There is a lot of risk at buying at these uh, these kind of levels today. It's well, after ten, 10 years of commodities falling, though, I mean, if you just take a bigger picture look, I don't know, commodities were really just forgotten for a while. And I think a lot of people um, just didn't allocate to that, but this market's kind of really making the argument for diversification, and maybe you have that commodity sleeve because it is not correlated to equity and fixed income markets. I feel like if the uh, Ukraine-Russia war ended tomorrow, um, Russia would still be kind of ostracized in terms of like markets and stuff like that. So um, th I, I feel like the prices are still going to be going up because there's not going to be any um like mitigation of that i mean it took it took russia what 30 25 30 years to recover from 
the the fall of to become reinvestable again after the dissolution of the Soviet Repo of the Soviet Union, um, and really within the span of of, of a week, um, they've become a prior state again. Um, so that is a really good point, Heather. I mean, Russia, as much as um, as much as like its GDP number is relatively low, and it's super, and it's so so reliant on on fossil fuel exports. Um, you know, it's it's still it's still the biggest country, the biggest country in the world by landmass. It still has all of these these exports and and resources that, you know, in, in a world where we're still trying to grapple with the idea that just in time that a just in time um, um, a way of shipping things just isn't going to work after almost three years of the of, of a pandemic and now geopolitical tensions and a land war in Europe for the first time in. Uh, a very long time that just complicates the whole situation further. And um, so me going back to, to the discussion about what the fed can do, you know, I, I think, you know, the word transitory was being thrown around a lot simply because people thought that once the pandemic got under control and, you know, thankfully we are, you know, we're, we're, it seems like we're about to hit the um, really a, a really, a, a very, um, a very comforting place where we can live with COVID-19, but it's not causing our hospitals to be at full capacity that, um, that people can get back to where the supply chains can get rerouted and, and, you know, recover from this shock. Um, but now we've got another supply chain. Now we've got another supply chain issue um, with um, so much of the world's energy, especially European energy being um, essentially uh, persona non grata at, at ports and and all of these other, especially agricultural commodities and including tech commodities. Um, uh, there's uh, Ukraine is a big exporter of neon gas, which is needed to etch in semiconductors. Um, so it, it seems very likely. So it seems all but certain that the Fed is going to hike um, in March and they're probably going to be hiking throughout the year. But you know, how do you, I, I guess, how do you resign yourself to the fact that inflation is going to be really, really high? And there's not really a whole lot that the Fed can do because there's so much, uh, because a lot of these inflationary issues are not due to loose monetary policy. There's stuff that, there's stuff that I w Jay Powell probably wishes he can, he can control, but he can't. Yeah. And a lot of it's actually from fiscal policy, right? We had trillions of dollars of stimulus uh, due to the pandemic in response to the pandemic. Um, so the Fed really had a lot, nothing to do with that. And the rate hikes are kind of a blunt instrument, right? What can the Fed do to bring down oil prices, commodity prices? Nothing, essentially. All they can really do is hope to slow the economy down and bring demand for all these commodities down. And that's essentially what it's going to have to do. But if if the issues are supply shocks because Russian exports are getting cut off and uh, semiconductor supply chain issues and things like that, the Fed has no direct control over that. The only thing they have control over is the broader economy. Uh, so they're going to try to put the brakes on that a little bit. And hopefully uh, by doing that in combination with some of these supply chain issues, uh, abating a little bit, that can bring inflation down but really there's a lot of unknowns I, I always talk about how the fact that no one absolutely no one predicted cpi was going to be growing seven percent a year ago so by the same token i don't think anyone has any idea where it's going to be 
a year from now, right? People just did not predict this uh, and we're kind of in uncharted territory right now. So we'll just kind of have to take it data point by data point. And I think that's the same thing the Fed's going to do. Um, now, as for what investors should do, I think fixed income is suddenly a really interesting area. I know fixed income ETFs and things like that have performed pretty poorly this year. Um, you know, you look at the ag, AGG, it's down something like four or five percent year to date. Not great. But if you're a long term fixed income investor, you're putting money to work uh, month after month, year after year. Higher rates are actually a good thing. I mean, for years you were getting absolutely nothing. Uh, in fixed income, in treasuries and things like that. But suddenly, you know, these yields are starting to look pretty decent. Um, you know, you adjust for inflation and the yields are still really low. But eventually, if you think inflation is going to go back to a more normalized level, if you can lock in a, a 30 year at two and a half percent, maybe three percent if it keeps going up, that's not a bad deal. Right. So I'd be closely uh, watching fixed income and I'd be looking for opportunities uh, if rates keep moving higher. You bring up a, a really interesting point there to me. It's just that, you know, as, as ETF, um, as ETF investors and as us covering ETFs are, are looking at this situation, there is, you know, kind of the, the short-term hyper volatility that we're seeing right now um, with, with so many things being thrown out of whack so quickly um, but you do bring up a good point as to, you know, what are, what are the long-term strategies for people who are not trying to, who are not seeking alpha right now, which is really what the core of, which is really at the core identity of ETFs. That's, you know, a, a lot of what it was founded on. Um, Jess, what, what do you, what do you think about this dichotomy? And, and do you think, you know, there are any longer term opportunities that may be um, uh, good to, good to have and to hold, um, while everyone else is, while everyone's uh, hanging on to the roller coaster of, of the of the S and P five hundred line, yeah. For long term investors, I think I mean it's less about identifying specific opportunities and just making sure that you're you know sticking to an allocation that makes sense where your risk is aligned with your risk tolerance and ability to take risk. Um, I I don't really believe that people should change their whole portfolio based on potentially short term events. Um, so just keep the big picture in mind and make sure your allocation is in line with that. Heather, any thoughts? Um, I guess I'm just wondering how short-term these events are. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like it couldn't hurt people to add a commodities allocation. But to me, I know you're kind of, you've mentioned before, like, roll costs and things like that, uh, dinging um, commodities investments. But maybe the equities um, associated with uh uh, commodities might be a good place to hide out for a while. I think that actually is um, a category that are that's popular with um, like kind of inflation uh, fighting strategies with equities um, is commodities related equities. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's a good distinction, Heather. Especially, you know, you look at areas like energy, right? The energy equity ETFs like XLE, XOP, IO, IEO. I think those are probably better uh, from a long-term perspective than something like USO, something like DNO. Um, like Heather mentioned, your roll costs are something you have to consider when you invest in commodities. You can't just hold uh, barrels of oil uh, or physical copper. 
um, you have to buy futures in most cases when it comes to commodities and rolling those futures is usually costly. Right now, it's not costly because uh, near-month futures contracts are worth more than later-month futures contracts, which is called backwardation. Uh, so in that case, you're actually making money rolling your futures over time. But historically, you've had to deal with uh, roll cost uh, and contango and things like that. So if you pull up a chart of you know something like USO or even DBC, which is a broad commodity ETF, they don't look that good. I mean, they're down, you know, like in some cases, 50, 60, 70, 80 percent, uh, even though commodity prices themselves are sometimes near all time highs. So that's something you have to consider. It's not really easy to buy and get exposure to commodities in the same way it is other asset classes. So I think uh, commodities are tricky asset class. Generally, you want to buy them when they're low. Uh, if you're buying them when they're high, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to say whether it's going to be an effective hedge the same way it would be if you were buying them, say, a year ago. Uh, we're going to leave it. At, uh, at, we're going to cap off the conversation there. Um, I think all four of us need to grab some some sleep over the weekend and prepare for the Fed meeting next week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for Exchange Trade Fridays on uh, at, with ETF.com. If you've missed any of the conversation, we will have a, a replay uh, on our podcast. Just go to your favorite podcast distributor and search for Exchange Trade Fridays. Uh, for myself, Dan Micah, just, and my colleagues, Jessica Berenger, Sumit Roy, and Heather Bell, thank you so much, and have a great weekend. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.